Hello, coders. Welcome to episode 189 of the How to Code Well podcast. Today, let's talk about the FAA and the outage that they've been suffering. This is an article from the NBC, and I'll leave a link to all of this in the show notes. The article's titled Corrupt Software Introduced by Contractors Took Down the FAA System. So straight away off the bat, I have an issue with the fact that they've pointed out that these were contractors. I'm a contractor myself. And I don't know why the media seems to be pointing fingers at the nasty contractors. This could have happened by any member of staff who had access to this particular system. I don't see why we have to focus on the fact that it was contractors. Anyway, let's just play a piece from NBC News. Tonight, NBC News has learned that preliminary information suggests at least one, perhaps two contract employees may have caused a computer failure that grounded thousands of flights early Wednesday. Government sources say the contractors were among the eight who had access to the FAA's NOTAM computer system and apparently edited a file, causing it to become corrupted. It's not clear if it was out of malice or if it was a case of human error. Investigators only determined what happened after reviewing computer login records. The NOTAM system itself is running on 30-year-old software, not due to be replaced for another six years. Okay, let's stop that there. Wow. So there's a lot of things that we need to unpeel here. This isn't how you do proper software development. However, this is in production, which is very weird. There's a number of points that we can uh, pull apart. First of all, I'm just going to reiterate my contractor point. Contractors aren't bad people. (laughs) We aren't out there to cause problems. We aren't out there to make people's worlds a misery. We are resources that can fit in whenever we're needed. Um, So again, I don't know why we're focusing on contractors here. The other issue is that this was only detected through logins, which is very weird. It's very peculiar. Now, obviously, we are looking upon this from the outsider's perspective, we don't have any i don't have any access to any internal information here i haven't actually been working on any of these systems these this particular industry i'm a web developer so i'm looking upon this from a web developer's point of view now the fact that we could only determine what happened through logins is quite interesting because this in, would indicate to me that there's no particular source control source control being the area or repository of code that is stored and is reviewed by other developers before it before that code gets introduced into the mainline so it doesn't doesn't appear that there is any source control around whatever this code is and apparently it's a database file that was corrupted so that would perhaps indicate that it was a well, in my world, that would be a SQL file. But it, again, I, I don't really know the the intricate details here you know, of the technology that is was was used. But nevertheless, whatever file was changed, that would usually come into a source control in my world. And that would be peer reviewed before it even touched the mainline. Mainline being whatever is on production, the release, the tag. It doesn't appear that any of those kind of infrastructure 
was in place, which is very surprising for the for this particular system, which just in itself poses a lot of other questions. You know, the other one is the fact that there doesn't appear to be any level of continual integration or testing or auditing of files before they get production. This reminds me a lot of the old 90s where we would be pushing things to production using FTP servers or better yet SSH uh, SCP stuff and we would be pushing stuff to production um, and testing it on production. We obviously don't do that now as web developers. We don't do that now. We've got, as I mentioned, source control. We've got uh, continual integration. We have a pipeline of tests that we have to go through. Plus, we also have other particular methodologies and ways of doing things and working uh, such as Agile, such as ITIL, such as other sort of procedures and processes that we have to follow in order for any particular file to touch production. So in my opinion, this shouldn't have even been a, a possibility. Certainly in my world, these things don't happen. We don't have access to our production boxes in, in this particular way. And we certainly wouldn't consider running any kind of database transactions off the fly and we probably wouldn't be giving this level of access to contractors anyway if we did because this would be a really high risk procedure that would be done by people who are well trained and well versed in those pieces of kit in those systems contractors yes we are very knowledgeable in what we do we're not necessarily the people who do the high risk stuff uh, all of the time usually that is by the people who have initially built the system who are the architects of the, that system contractors perhaps aren't so uh, engaged in all of that stuff we are resources and again I'm, i have to say that i'm looking upon this from a web developer's perspective a web developer contractor's perspective so not the perspective of the, these contractors here but still i would like to think that there is a crossover of methodologies ways of working and all of that stuff from whatever the you know, whatever the processes and procedures these contractors had to focus on were would be kind of a similar set that we would focus on. And therefore, there would be the same level of checks, if not a higher, greater deal of checks because of the 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 risk involved here. We're talking about a lot of flights that had to be grounded because of this one file that corrupted the 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 system that it was being put on. The other thing that I want to focus on is the fact that apparently the software that is currently running is 30 years old, which is balmy in its own right, but also it's not due to be replaced or even upgraded for another six years. And you try telling that to a JavaScript developer, you cannot change your framework you cannot change your javascript libraries you cannot change your javascript ways of thinking for another six years and you have to do the 30 year old thing so that is very weird in its own right now obviously this isn't javascript obviously <laughs> but i'm just i'm trying to compare 
I'm trying to compare. And yes, it's probably like comparing apples and oranges. But at the end of the day, software is software. And we need to follow software best practices. And it doesn't appear that there was any best practices being followed here or even enforced, which you could argue isn't the blame of the contractor. They are there to do a task that has been given to them by the overarching company. However, as developers, we have to take ownership over our own code. We have to make sure that our code is at the highest standard and goes through a several several layers of, of process and procedure and checks and auditing before it gets out to the wild. We should enforce as developers the need for testing. We should enforce the need for code reviews. We should enforce the need of working on particular tickets in a particular order. You know, we should have control. We, as certainly as contractors, as people who are brought in to do the thing, should know how to do the thing well, <laughs> right? And we should be bringing knowledge to the table. We shouldn't just be yes men or yes women who are just complying with whatever the, 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 the company that has employed us wants to do, right? If something doesn't add up, we need to put the brakes on and say, no, this is actually going to be a humongous risk if we do it like this. So as contractors, I believe that we, we need to have a little bit more um, uh, ownership over how we do this because at the end of the day, we are self-employed. We are putting our company's names to our code, okay? And if we screw, screw anything up, then that looks bad on our own reputation. It's different when you're a full-time employed, right? Because that's you're a member of the company, you're a member of the firm, whereas when you're a contractor, you are an outside external resource brought in to do that particular task. And it's up to you, it should be up to you, as to how that task is performed to make sure that your the task is performed at the highest degree possible, right? So, yes, obviously, there's requirements that you have to consider business requirements and, and so forth. And you have to work within the boundaries that are set by the company that gives you that contract. But you are you should be bringing knowledge to the table and you should be making sure that you are comfortable with the code that you are writing. And it has to be at the highest degree possible with the lowest amount of risks. This doesn't seem like that has happened. It's This is quite shocking. This is quite shocking. Why on earth is there a 30-year-old software that won't be replaced for six years that is so risky? It seems so fragile. If one file can get pushed and destroys the whole thing, grounds everything. I mean, that just seems so irresponsible, in my opinion. Now, I know that software in general is fragile. You do go and change one file and everything falls over. But again, we have things in place to prevent those things from happening. Let's just read a couple of bits from this article. So it starts by saying the software that failed and forced the Federal Aviation Administration to ground thousands of flights on Wednesday is 30 years old and not scheduled to be updated for another six years, according to a senior government official. The system was installed in 1993 and runs the Notice to Air Mission System, or NOTAM, which sends pilots vital information they need to fly, the official said. So this is 
crazy, right? Crazy risky stuff. And there doesn't appear to be any form of level of tests, checks involved when changing these particular files. Baffling, utterly baffling. After the FAA was able to get planes flying again and a a government official said a corrupted file that affected both primary and backup not dam systems appeared to be the culprit. Investigators are working to determine if human error or malice is to blame for taking down the system, which eight contract employees had access to. At least one, perhaps two of those contractors made the edit that corrupted the system, two government sources said on Thursday. Transportation Secretary, Secretary uh, Pete Buttig told NBC News that he has asked the FAA to make sure that there are enough safeguards built into the system that this level of disruption can't happen because of an individual's person person's decision or action or mistake. So those those things are they should be in place at the get go. <laughs> So this, to me, feels like there's going to be a humongous amount of change in the FAA in how they actually do their software and a big review. What they need to have is some form of independent company coming in and looking at the software and seeing their infrastructure and working or looking at all their processes and procedures and making them up to code, right? Taking them up to code. Because it doesn't sound like any of this is is in play. This is not how software should be managed or developed. It is really quite shocking. Ah, so I'm glad I got that out of my system. Um, let's now talk about the changelog. I know we normally talk about the changelog uh, first, but I just wanted to get that out of my system. So the changelog hasn't really changed. This is for howtocowell.net. Hasn't really changed because I had a problem um, with the pipeline talking about pipelines and auditing and checking code and so forth. I have a problem. I had a problem with my, my pipeline. Unfortunately, I, I initially ran it um, and installed it and had it going on my development laptop, which is something that I recommend you never do. Um, you should be running this separately. And in fact, what I've managed to do now is virtualize it. So it's now running in a Ubuntu uh, VM on the laptop, which really should be on something else, right? Because when you know single point of failure and all of that stuff, I was having so many issues with developing and testing at the same time. Um, and also there was a problem with an upgrade I did to the to the Mac OS, which screwed around with the way in which GitLab was running. So I highly recommend you don't do what I do and ran your development your testing pipeline alongside your development machine. That should be very, very separate. Put it in a separate box. In fact, what I would like to do this year is have a, a, like a server that is constantly running, constantly running Linux. And that is the thing that is going to be the testing. So I've managed to get that all up and running apart from the acceptance test. That's something that I need to work on. But I've basically put the brakes on the deployment to production until I get all of these wrinkles solved. Again, as I've mentioned many times before, your pipeline is something that you need to really, really make sure is working well. And if it doesn't go well, then you really need to halt your deployments to production because that is the thing that should allow you to, to deploy to production or to test or what have you. And if that doesn't work, then you should halt your deployments. 
So that's what I've done. This does mean that we are a couple of weeks behind now, which is a bit of a shame, but that's just the way it goes. It's not really a great thing for the start of this year, but that's just the way it goes. It's a lesson learned. Put your pipelines on a separate machine, which sounds obvious, but it was one of these things that you do out of convenience, right? And that's another thing that I want to talk about today is the convenience that us software developers have, right? We when we do things, we do things usually on a whim at the time, you know, oh, I'll just install this package. And then before you know it, that becomes the linchpin of the whole system. So just installing GitLab runner on my local machine became the linchpin of deploying to production, which was a shame. So what I've done is I've virtualized this environment, which means that now I can copy that environment across to other um bare metal machines or VPSs in the cloud, which means that I can now have different pipelines running. So in the future, what I would like to do is have another pipeline that checks the developed branch, developed branch for PHP 8.1 and 8.2 compatibility and other bits and pieces like that. So that's where the changelog is, unfortunately. It's just one of those things. The next kind of streams that we're going to be doing on YouTube will be more to do with the code notes. These are the notes that go to the the courses on howtocodewell.net. So I should mention before I go on, the pipeline is all about deploying howtocodewell.net and we are on version 1.2 and I want to deploy 1.3 and that's the, that's the holdup. The course notes are a repository on GitHub. I'll, again, I'll put a link to this in the show notes. This is a repository of all of the, the notes that relate to the courses on howtocodewell.net. And it's an open source project and I'm going to be updating it. And it just once uh, on every deployment, it checks out the new version of the course notes and then marries those course notes up with the courses that are on the on the platform on the website. So we're going to probably be doing a lot more of those whilst in the background I get this pipeline massaged through. One thing that is preventing that from happening is getting the acceptance tests running. And these are, I think they're about 50, 60 tests that run against the website using Cypress. And that part of the pipeline just isn't working at the minute because I haven't set up uh, various host entries and all of that stuff. Again, time really hasn't been on my side uh, this week. I do all of these kind of things in the evenings and the weekends, and I just have been doing other things. <laughs> so I haven't managed to manage to get that through. Once all of that backlog is done, we're then going to be moving into the symphony world. Yay! So we're going to be setting the scene to upgrade to Symphony. I need to get to Symphony 5.4 and then on to 6. So there's a whole ton of tickets that I have in the backlog that we're going to be working through to upgrade things, to fix deprecations, to install Rector and all of that stuff, all that goodness. So we will get to all of that uh, shortly. So there we go. I would love to hear if anybody has any comments or suggestions on what I mentioned or if they've got any feelings about what's happened with the FAA. If you've got any other news articles that you want to pass my way to uh, get my thoughts on and get my feelings on. Um, I'm so glad that now the flights have, have resumed and I would like to think that there's been a lot of lessons learned 
through the FAA. And I hope that this never happens again. And it's something that we as people who teach code needs to keep bashing on about. This isn't the way of software development. And I know that I'm looking upon this from the perspective of a web developer, which is very different from the perspective of someone building these particular these particular systems. But I am, I do believe that unfortunately, just because of the nature of what we do, there will come a time when someone is going to make a horrible mistake such as this. And it probably, this mistake that's happened probably wasn't on purpose. It probably wasn't. They probably just have done this, you know, many, many times. And this was just, they just rolled the dice wrong. And on this particular occasion, it got corrupted when they uploaded the file. I mean, um, lots of things happen when you upload things. You know, your internet connection could go down. Something could get broken. There could be all sorts of stuff that prevent a correct file to be uploaded and it turns into a corrupted file. So I very much doubt that these contractors knew that this was going to happen in this in this particular fashion. But I do believe, unfortunately, that because software is, has integrated itself in everyday lives like this and because one file done badly like this can ruin um, an industry or ruin a company or prevent things from happening in the way they should happen i.e ground flights i do feel that unfortunately we um, will eventually create something or do something by mistake and a lot of people will be affected in a very fatalistic way. And I worry about that stuff. So as people who teach code and talk about software, we have to keep continually banging on about good practice, good auditing, good pipeline, continually integration, agile, all the best things of software development to prevent these mistakes from happening again. Thank you ever so much for listening to the rant. Happy coding, everyone. And I'll see you again soon. Cheers. Bye-bye.